Today's scripture reading comes from Ephesians chapter 6, it'll be verses 1 through 20. Ephesians 6, 1 through 20. Can we all stand for the reading of God's word? Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may enjoy long life on earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear, and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which, with which you can extinguish all flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me, that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. This is the word of the Lord. Why don't we do this? Uh, turn to one another and say to each other, stand strong. Oh, that was kind of weak. Let's try that again. Stand strong. Um, I know we read the entire chapter, but I will only be covering verses 10 to 20. Um, but before I dive in, can we do something? And I hope this is not being recorded. Um, I'm, I'm tired. <laughs> I love being here. I love Jesus and I love Pilgrim Church, but man, I'm tired and let me tell you, it was a struggle to um, sing those songs today because physically I have nothing left in me. I am tired. I'm not even that old. I'm just tired. Um, but when Jubin was leading us in, um, bless the Lord, oh my soul, um,
don't pay attention to tears. I'm just tired. Um, it, I feel like it was such a blessing because, you know, I could have just gone through the entire praise um, struggling. But the Lord really reminded me why I was here, and that gave me strength. He reminded me that I was here for the Lord and him only. And I believe that is why you're here. Isn't that why you're here? Because you want to sit at the feet of Jesus, and you want to give him the worship that is due to only him. And that is why we're here. And for some reason, that thought, that truth came into my heart through the power of the spirit. And that gave me strength. And so if you're tired right now, if your body is tired, if your mind is checked out and you don't want to be here, can I pray for us? Because this is too great of an opportunity for us to sit here for an hour checked out. And so uh, I'm just going to pray over myself and I'm going to pray over us as we dive into the word. Let's pray. Father God, we are so weak. I realize that again today. That apart from you and apart from the strength that you give to me, I can do nothing. But by your grace, God, you have led me to this place today. And you have allowed me to have the strength to stand up and worship you. And we know that our strength and our hope is in this, that you are here. And you are in the midst of us as we worship you. And so, Holy Spirit, would you come and strengthen our bodies, awaken our minds, open our hearts that we might not only see you and experience you, but that we might hear your words clearly. Because, God, we need it. And so, Lord, would you just do a work in our hearts. God, I pray that you would um, just have your way in this place. And Lord, I pray that you would remember me. I pray that you would give me the strength to proclaim the words that are straight from your heart. And may all God's people in our spirits agree with the truth that is being spoken today. We love you, Jesus, and we worship you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. There is no other way to transition into this topic, so I am going to go straight to it. It's it's not something we talk about often, but it is something I believe the Lord wants to say to us, Pilgrim EM, today. And so may your hearts and your minds be open and alert to receive what the Lord has for you. And so turn with me to Revelation 12. Um, I am not going to make you stand for this, but I am going to read this for us. Um, And this is a a vision given to the Apostle John. And this is um, not just a vision of something that happened in the heavenly realms a long time ago. I believe this is a picture of what is going on today. Revelation chapter 12. A great and wondrous sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on his heads. 
His tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that he might devour her child the moment it was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. The woman fled into the desert to a place prepared for her by God, where she might be taken care of for 1,260 days. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he, the dragon, was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down. That ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore, rejoice, you heavens. Rejoice, you heavens and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea. Because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury because he knows that his time is short. And I'm going to move on um, to verse 17. Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to make war against the rest of her offspring, those who obey God's commandments and hold to the testimony of Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'm here to talk about spiritual warfare. Just as you and I are of the flesh and blood, we are created in the image of God and therefore we are also spiritual beings. That means the reality that you and I live today is beyond just what our eyes can see right now. There is another reality operating and that's a spiritual realm. And that spiritual realm, that reality is so real that it makes a very real impact and influence on the reality of the natural world right now. That is what the scriptures tell us. You and I, we are spiritual beings engaged in a spiritual war. And that's what Revelation 12 shows us. If you are curious about all the, the interpretations of the details, um, I am not going to share that with you today because that's not why I read it. It's just, it was just to show you the picture of the reality that is going on right now, and that's a reality of spiritual warfare. And whether you feel it, whether you know about it or not, whether you actually sense it or not, you are in it. Therefore, you and I must be aware of it. And so I pray. I know this is not a topic we normally talk about, but I pray that the Holy Spirit will come and open your eyes and open all of our minds that we might understand these truths so we could stand strong. See, when, I, when you see Revelation 12, and this is the part that really gets to me, it doesn't even just say that the enemy is at war. What does it say? It says he is filled with fury. He is enraged. That means he's not just... 
He's not just passing by through the world and when he feels like it, he attacks. And when he feels like it, he knocks you over. That's not how it works. Satan is angry. And he knows his, sh- his time is short. And so he's on a mission. And when you're on a mission, every single thing you do, every single moment, every step you take counts. So because we have an enemy who is coming at us with that kind of intention and intensity, we as believers, as children of God, because we are the ones he has waged war over, we must be alert, we must be even more passionate, and we must be even more purposeful and deliberate if we are going to stand strong. So let's look at how the enemy fights. It says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, Paul says to us, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Devil's schemes. Let's look at that word schemes. That word schemes in Greek means methodia, or the word is methodia. And what that is pointing to is this enemy, Satan, the dragon, is Fighting with a method, meaning strategy, and his strategy is organized. His strategy is well-crafted. And so what do we know about this Satan, this dragon, our enemy, the devil? He's not just coming against us. This is not just a force or an idea of evil. This is, an, this is a being, a personal being who is intelligent. Because he has well-organized plans. He has well-crafted trickery. He is not only evil and coming up against us, but he is a personal being and he is smart. So we must know how he thinks. It also says, Paul says that our fight, it is a struggle. Now, if you look at the Greek word struggle, it's not just I am fighting. It means we are wrestling with the dark forces of evil. And when you wrestle, I am not a wrestler. But if I were to wrestle, that means I need to come and interlock my hands with yours. It means sometimes our bodies will even be intertwined. And that means I come face to face with you if I am wrestling with you. And that is how the enemy comes to you. What Paul is saying is, the enemy is not just standing from afar with like a whole bunch of arrows and he just randomly throws it into the air hoping that it catches one of you. He doesn't fight like that. He fights in a personal way, up, close, personal with the strategy. That's how the enemy fights. And I read something written by this Christian author Christian speaker named John White, and he wrote about the enemy schemes, and this is how he puts it. He says, you take a piano, you open the top of the piano, and you look down into it, and you sing a note, and you sing, uh, I have no idea, I don't have perfect pitch, I have no, let's just say that was an A flat, right? Ah, uh, then the piano, that, which inside is made of strings, the A flat will vibrate. And he says, that is how the enemy comes to you in war. 
See, the enemy cannot make a good person bad. But what the enemy can do is he comes to you and he simply aggravates, gets to what is already inside of you. That's what John White is saying. What, what is already inside of you, he comes and he sings your tune and you respond to it. That is how the enemy comes to you. And so he comes to you and he opens you up, the piano box, and he sings your string. And basically what he's doing is he is singing a lie, a lie that is according to the strings that are inside of you. So that means you also got to know where your weak points are. You got to know your strings if you're going to fight against the enemy. He comes to you and he sings to you the tune of his lie. And all these lies that the enemy sings to you can be categorized in one of two, in two categories, sorry. The first one is this. One category of the enemy's lies is this. He comes and he lies to you and he hides the holiness of God. And then on the other hand, he might come to you and he might sing to you a lie that hides the love of God. Two lies. Hides the holiness of God, hides the love of God. And so if he were to come to me, open up that piano top and sing into me, a lie that hides the holiness of God, he might say something like this. Oh, you know what? That's okay. Look at that Christian leader. Look at that pastor. That pastor committed that sin. It's okay. It's not that bad. Everyone does it. And he hides the holiness of God. But you see, by him hiding the holiness of God, he downplays the severity of sin. Or he'll show to you the bait while hiding the hook, hiding the holiness of God, downplaying the severity of sin. But he comes, if he comes to you and he lies to you and hides the love of God, and this is something that I personally struggle with, he might say something like this. Wow, you call yourself a Christian and you can't seem to get over this sin. Are you really saved? How dare you go up and preach the word of God when you can't seem to get over this one sin? You have no right to be a pastor. You're the worst pastor. You should just step down right now. Or he might come to you and say, wow, you're the worst sinner. You are the worst Christian. Why do you even bother to come to church? Why do you even seek my face? Is your faith even real? Are you really saved? He hides the love of God so that all you see is your guilt, your past sin, and the consequences of your sin. And you can't lift your eyes to see the love and the mercy of God and the power of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Two lies. He hides the holiness of God, hides the love of God. And if any of this sounds familiar to you, He's playing you. He's singing your tune according to your strings, and he's playing you up close and personal. And this is why he is crafty. This is why he is the master of lies. This is why he is intelligent. Not just because he thinks these things, it's because he knows you. 
He knows you well. And so he uses that knowledge of you and he comes and he speaks to you, sings to you these lies. So how do we fight? How do we fight and stand strong and protect ourselves from these lies? Paul says, what? Put on the armor of God. And I'm not going to dwell too much on the armor of God, but I'm just going to go down the list. Because when I read the armor of God, yes, Paul lists the six different parts of the armor, but he only dwells on it for like one line. He only spends maybe one line or a few words on each part of the armor. And so I'm just going to go through it. But basically, he paints a picture of the gospel. And so let's look at that together. Ephesians chapter 6. Turn with me. Ephesians chapter 6 to verse 14. He says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. You are, if you are saved, and if you are a child of God, you are saved by the truth. That means you are a child of the truth, and you live in truth. It's already been given to you. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. That righteousness is not your own purity. That righteousness, and there, there is that kind of righteousness. As people of God, we're called to pursue a life of holiness. But the righteousness that Paul is talking about here is a righteousness of Christ that has been placed on you through Christ. Breastplate of righteousness, you've already been given that. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Meaning reconciliation with Christ. You are at peace with God now through Jesus Christ. That's already been given to you because of what Christ has done. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Shield of faith. That's saving faith. That you have as a child of God. 17, take the helmet of salvation that is yours. And the sword of the spirit which is the word of God been given to you. And so this armor of God is not something that you work for. And it's not even something that you can put in parts. It's the whole armor of God because it is the gospel. And if you are looking, if you're, if you think back to the lies that the enemy is giving to you, that is how the armor of God protects you from the enemy. Because when the devil says, when the devil hides the holiness of God and says, your sin is not that bad, you're okay, the gospel says, no, your sin was so wretched, your sin was so great before the holiness of God that Christ's body was broken apart to fix it. And then add to the lies that say and hide the love of God, it says, no, your sin was great. But by the love and mercy of God, he sent his son, Jesus Christ. His body was broken. His blood poured out for you and it is finished. That is how the armor of God protects us and helps us in fighting the spiritual battle. The armor of God has already been given to you. So then what? It's not enough. Read on with me. After going through the armor of God, the, the different parts of the armor, Paul then dwells on this one thing for a few verses. And I think this is key in fighting. Verse 18 
Pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me. Pray that I may declare fearlessly. Pray, pray, pray. The armor of God has already been given to you. It's the gospel. But now you need the power to use it. You need the power to fight. And that power comes from prayer. In Mark chapter 3, Jesus um, gathers his disciples and he gives them the authority to drive out demons. And he sends them out. And then you fast forward Mark chapter 9. And in Mark chapter 9, after having already received the authority to drive out demons, the disciples are unable to drive out the spirit that is in a little boy. And the father of the little boy, seeing that the disciples couldn't do it, takes his son, who is still being controlled and possessed by the evil spirit, takes him to Jesus and says, Jesus, my son is sick. I brought my son to your disciples, but they couldn't get rid of it. Can you help me? And Jesus says, can I? If you believe. And he says, I believe. Help me with my unbelief. And Jesus does it. He casts the spirit out. Now you can imagine the disciples. What just happened? And in private They ask their teacher, maybe an embarrassment because they have failed. They say, teacher, how come we couldn't do it? You already gave us the authority to do it. How come we couldn't drive out this spirit and you could? And do you know how Jesus responds? He says, because this kind of thing can only be done through prayer. Prayer. The authority was already given to the disciples. But because they did not pray, they could not use it in power. The armor, which is the gospel, has been given to you. But if you do not pray, you will not have the power to use it and fight. And so Pilgrim EM, brothers and sisters, especially in this season that our church is going through with this denomination, I pray that you would not feel that it is a distant problem because we are one church, are we not? That means every single one of us must be invested in what is going on right now. And that means every single one of us must be coming before the Lord in prayer because we are one church. And it's such a beautiful opportunity that the Lord has given to Pilgrim Church for us to come together and pray. Now, Paul says, pray, pray, pray. But what is, he, what is the goal of praying? And what is the goal of putting on the armor? And what's the ultimate goal of fighting up against the enemy? It says this, verse 19. 
Pray for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Verse 20, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. What is the goal of praying? What is the goal of the armor? What is the goal of fighting? It's this, so that we may fearlessly, boldly proclaim the gospel in this world. Is it not? And Pilgrim Church, we have the opportunity to stand up and declare what is the gospel. When we say Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. In a survey given to the, the Presbytery, um, the denomination, PCUSA, they asked, they stated this. They said, do you believe Jesus is the only way to salvation? And of all the ordained ministers of PCUSA who answered, 35% agreed. This is why as a church we feel convicted to make a stand and leave. Because we are called to fearlessly, boldly proclaim the gospel that says Jesus. Jesus and only Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So brothers and sisters, we must pray. If you are not praying, he is playing your tune. And he's playing you. You must be prayerful at all times, for all things. Pray so that we could stand up and fight. And so let's be prayer warriors. Pray at home. But you know, as a church, we want to make it easy for you to grow as prayer warriors. And so we set aside Saturday morning, 6 a.m. If that's not your thing, then we have Wednesday night at 8 p.m. If that's not your thing, we have once a month worship Wednesday, first Wednesday of the month, 8 p.m. Come and pray. I believe that God is calling us to grow in our faith and to become warriors as we pray together. And so, brothers and sisters, this is a moment. This is a moment that the Lord is giving us to come together and to really stand up and learn how to be prayer warriors. Do not let this moment pass you by as a church. Let us answer the call. Let us answer the call and the encouragement that the God, that Lord is giving to us to become warriors. And so we already shared this, but next week is a very important week for Sunday for our church. And our battle is not with even the presbytery. The battle is with the enemy. And so we must pray. And so can I have everyone stand? Please stand with me. You know, it says in the scriptures, the devil is furious because he has lost. 
and he is enraged because his time is short and he knows it. And so he treats it as such. And what does that mean? He's deliberate. He's purposeful. He wastes no time. He doesn't waste any of his energy, but he aggressively uses every moment, everything that he has for this one goal. And what is that? His goal is to come and discourage the children of God, distract the children of God, and to get us to stop glorifying our God. And in doing that, his goal is to dishonor the name of Christ. Therefore, as children of God, should we not pray and worship with more intensity, more passion than the enemy is coming at us with? And so we're going to pray. And we're going to turn our face to the Lord and say, Lord, if I don't know how to pray, teach me how to pray. If I do not yet know the authority that you have put inside of me through your Holy Spirit, Lord, help me to know what that is and help me to begin operating in that power and authority. And so we're going to worship. We're going to worship and we're going to pray. We're going to seek the Lord together. And so let's do this. If we could come together, lift up our voices and let's pray for the church Pray for the church as we go into a time of voting next week. But more than that, can we pray that our church would be a church that lifts high the name of Jesus in all that we do? And beyond that, can we pray that we would be a church that would shine brightly the truth and the love of God in a world that is dark? And that God and only God will be glorified in and through us. Through us. So can we do that? Let's lift up our voices and let's cry out to the Lord and pray like watchmen on a tower who are alert and awake. Let us pray and cry out to the Lord on behalf of the church. Let's pray together. God, we submit to you. We are your church, and you are our Lord, and we follow only you. God, I pray that you would raise us up to be a people that you can use, and raise us up to be a people who will glorify you and your name and the gospel and everything that we do. And so, Spirit, come. 
and teach us your ways. And move us, God, so that we may begin to live, worship, pray with authority. God, we declare that the enemy has no place here. And we will worship and we will pray and we will live in a way that makes the enemy tremble because you have given us that authority. So Lord, wake us up. Wake us up from our slumber. And I pray that you would begin to help us, help us, Jesus, to realize and to step into and operate in what you have already laid out for us. As a church, may we glorify you. And as children of God, may we please you in all that we do. The enemy is strong, yes, but Jesus, you are stronger. And with you living inside of us, the enemy can do nothing. And so, Lord, now as we worship, as we sing this song, help us to declare your victory. Help us to declare your power. And I pray that we would make the enemy tremble, even in the way that we sing these words. And God, use us to make a dent in the spiritual realm. And may your kingdom advance because of us, in and through us. This we pray in the mighty, awesome name of Jesus. Amen.